my background wasn't the best background there was. My mom was an alcoholic. Uh, she had a bunch of boyfriends. When I was 11 years old, um, police came and they took me, said that they're just taking me to hospital, saying that the child, but they took me to an orphanage and I was like, I was hoping that she will take me back and she said that she'll come back for me, but it never happened. So three years later, I, um, I said I would not want it to be adopted to, well, different family. I don't want to have different family. And I didn't want even like come in a different country. That's like totally different story. But I don't know. My parents asked me if I wanted to come into their family and I, was, and I felt like that would be the right, right decision. So I said yes, and I had my doubts at first, just kind of feeling like my mother left me, that, so why would they like, stick with me and why would they allow me? I knew I was coming to Christian family and I was kind of happy about that. I knew there was God, um, I knew He created everything, I knew He created me, but I didn't believe that He loved me, so I didn't really believe that I mattered until I came here and after Easter I finally understood that everybody matters, even um, me. At first when I started coming here, I don't know, I heard it all like, oh Jesus loves you, God gave, gave all his son for you, but I kind of didn't believe it because of my background and I was like, how can that be if everything that happened to me it just doesn't seem right. But um, on the first Easter I was here, the first service I finally understood of what God did for us and that he gave, that he loves me no matter what. I just finally understand that I matter and I mean everybody matters, like people, homeless people, anybody like in this world, it's just and knowing God, I um, can pray to Him and just He guides me with my life. Cool. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. <clears throat> I was just going, okay, here we go. How y'all doing? Good. Good. I tell you, it's interesting. Uh, for you all this morning to be able to start off and just sit in here for a few minutes and, and just kind of glory in the fact that we have a God who really cares and who loves and he's worshipful. And, and then um, to just take a moment and, and just realize that that knowledge of a God who actually cares and who really cares about our broken hearts, there's a lot of people who don't have that. And there's a lot of brokenness in our world, isn't there? Oh, yeah. It's all over the place. And see, even Pink writing us about a song about a broken relationship. There's brokenness surrounding us everywhere, and there's nothing more frustrating than when something's broken, right? I mean, when your car breaks down, anybody frustrated, right? When your computer isn't working, anybody frustrated? And so we have repairmen, and we have call centers, right? We have consultants if your business is broken. We have everywhere we turn, when something is broken, it hurts, and so we go and we try to find out who's the person who can fix this thing. So we, we got all the stuff that's broken in our culture, right? We've got healthcare and immigration. And on Friday, right, the food stamps, 47 million people now are going to be affected by food stamps as anybody with a family of four is going to lose $36 a month more. I mean, there's just stuff that's just broken. 
And then we got just our own hearts and our own relationship. You know, it's just got, and here's what's crazy, you guys. So we look at this, and one of the things we know is that no matter what, no matter who you are, everybody in here can experience a frustration with life. And, and our founding father said this, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident. We don't have to argue about these. Everybody knows this. That all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I love that our founding fathers too, they just said, listen, we know something about every single human being. And that is inside your very being. You want life, man. You want to be able to live. And you want to be able to be free. And you should be able to pursue the fulfillment of your life. And that's good news. And so, can I just ask you though, how many of you in this room right here would say in some way you're broken? Anybody broken in here? All right. See, and, and, and here's what's crazy. Because we go to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, okay? And we know that there are certain needs, certain things that are just innately within every human being that every one of us needs. The first one is just physical stuff. We need food and we need water and we need shelter. And that's the base need of every human being. Second one is what? Safety and security. That somehow we should be able to have a sense of social stability, of justice, of employment. Even health is listed in this one. And then you've got love and belonging. There's a certain innate need for every person to once you've got these basic physical things, now there's some stuff that's it's relational, that everybody needs friendship and family, a sense of connection and intimacy. Then Maslow goes, okay, now if you got those, there's some other things. The, the fourth one is just self-esteem, that every human being needs to know in your core that you matter. You need to know that you're valuable. And then that doesn't happen, man. It's, it's something breaks inside of our heart. Now, some of you might be going, okay, we got food, right? I've got safety and security. I've got family. I've got friendship. I even think I'm doing pretty good. And then we get all the top one and it's self what? Self-actualization, which means what? It means that I am finally realizing my full potential. That all the gifts and all the stuff that I have been given, I know my purpose in life, and I'm living it out. See, Maslow knew that. Psychology figured this stuff out. I think they read the Bible, actually. No, I mean, seriously, because this is what the Bible's talking about. When you look at God, because here's what happens. If your physical stuff isn't being taken care of, it weighs so heavy on your heart, and you can't experience the fullness of life. If you don't have security and stability and your health or employment, it weighs on your heart and you can't experience the fullness of life. If you don't have friendship, if you're not part of a family, it weighs on you. It's brokenness. And here's what I know. Every one of us in this room somehow does have a broken heart. And here's what's so cool about God. What does he say to us as we look at this series? Does everyone matter? Yes, you matter if your issue is food and shelter to God. You matter to him if it's stability and security. You matter to him right now if your relationships are suffering and you're feeling a loneliness inside or stuff is breaking around you. You matter to God even if it's the inside that you don't know your value and you're still trying to find it in how you perform or how you look or what you've got. 
And you matter to God, even if you're just trying to find your purpose, searching to say, I feel complete in what I'm doing. And here's what the Bible says about God if you're broken in any one of those areas. Psalm 34, 18 says this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Isn't that good news? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Whether it's physical brokenness, relational brokenness, or just in your soul and in your heart. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's what God does. That's who, we, that's who we are here worshiping in and believing in, the fact that God says, I care about your broken heart. And here's maybe my favorite verse, John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But here's what Jesus said. He goes, I have come so that you might have life and have it to the full. To the full. Every area of your life matters to God. And what's so cool is, you know what he says, what Jesus is saying, is I'm the one who can fix it. <laughs> so when something's broken and you're looking for who's the dude who can fix my car, who's the person who can help me with my computer, who's the one who can help you with your relationship, and who's the one who can help you with your soul, the Lord is close to you if you're brokenhearted today. And he wants to be close to everybody out here. And that's what we believe. We believe that everyone matters to God and every broken heart matters to him. So I'm just going to share a couple scriptures and dive in. Let's just pray. Let's just take a moment and let's just ask God to come in and reveal this beautiful truth to us deep to our core. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you as we're going to look here that you actually care about any area of our life that is broken. Lord, you came so that we could have life to the full. And there are people all around us, there are all of us in this room, are not ex totally experiencing the fullness of life because there's brokenness in this world. And what I ask now is that just through your word, really, God, would you just come and your beautiful presence that's in this place and just speak your love, your compassion, and your truth into our midst. We pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So this is what we got. So you guys, we, uh, if you weren't here last week, <clears throat> we're in this series called Everyone Matters. And what we're, what we're doing is we are turning the page into K2's next chapter of our history. And we are really believing that God is calling us to continue to expand because Jesus says this, everybody in this planet and every, for us in our own valley here, everybody matters to him. And their brokenness matters to Jesus. And so we're saying, well, we're going to get out of here, man. We got to expand and we're going to move forward. But the reason we're doing this is because the brokenhearted matter. When Jesus came on the scene, it's really cool because right at the very beginning, he was already so powerful and so different that crowds were just gathering around him, man. Everybody was following him because they wanted to hear what he had to say. And so in Luke chapter four, there's this really sweet story where Jesus, uh, I'll just, it says this, um, he says, on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And so Jesus walks into the Sabbath, walks into church just like this. He's just doing what he always does. And he grabs this Old Testament book called Isaiah. And what this is, is that it was a prophecy about the Messiah. The Jewish people believed that there was somebody who was going to come and set them free 
that there was the Messiah was going to come and he was going to be the Savior and bring everything and restore everything back to the glorious place that it should be. So Jesus gets up and he opens it up and here's it is. It's, on, it's Isaiah chapter 61. You can open up your Bibles. You can pick it up on your phone or it's right here on the screen. And here's what Jesus read. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So, right off the bat, he just says, I'm listening, you guys, the spirit of the sovereign Lord, you know this God. He's all-powerful and he's great. And he's actually anointed me. And what he's going to go through right now, listen to this carefully, he's going to show you the heart of God. He goes, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. He reads that passage which, by the way, you guys, when you look at that, do you see what he's saying? The sovereign Lord has anointed me because I'm going to take stuff that's broken and I'm going to make it beautiful. I'm going to take hearts that are in despair and they're going to turn into like garments of praise. I'm going to take people who are feeling like they're captives and I'm going to totally release them. People who are prisoners and I'm going to set them free. This is what's going to happen. And then what happened is he got done reading that. He rolled up the scroll he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying this, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, what Jesus was saying was, I'm the one who can do this. I'm the one who can take your broken relationship and restore it. I'm the one who can put you into families. I'm the one that can help you. If you will follow me, I bring what's right. The sovereign Lord is upon me, he said. And then Jesus' main message, and I mentioned this last week, he said, I'm bringing the kingdom of God into this world because this world is a mess. And the way of this world is not working, and so I'm going to bring the way that's right. So let me just share with you a couple ways that he does this. The first thing that Jesus does is he heals the brokenness of the world. He heals the brokenness of the world. When Jesus was here, you guys, if there were physiological needs, if they were hungry, what did Jesus do? He fed them. If somebody was sick, what did he do? He healed them. See, one of the things that Jesus did was he just saw the bottom two levels of Maslow's needs, and he said, this is wrong. People should not have food. People shouldn't be struggling to have clean water. People shouldn't be struggling to be safe. People shouldn't be struggling physically. And so he came and he actually brought the kingdom of God, what was right, into the world. That's what Jesus did. And I think that's why what was so funny is right when Jesus started and he started proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and he started healing everybody's diseases, everybody started following him. Crowds of people started hanging around Jesus. Why? Because their brokenness was being healed. The heaviness of the world was being taken care of by Jesus' ways. So can I just tell you something? 
At K2 The Church, we have always said, follow me on this one, we're focused and we're tight and we're what? Why in the world are we out there? You know why? Because Jesus is out there. You can't, you can't follow him and have this part of Jesus says, I care about the needs of people. And if we follow him, then we do the same thing. That's why in James chapter 1, it says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for the orphans and the widow in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. In 1 John 3.16, it says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. So guys, those of us who are in the church, if we're part of this church, we've, we've been loved on by God. And we know what real love is because he gave his life for us. So we also ought to give our lives up for our brothers and sisters. If someone has m enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, here's John's question, then how can the love of God be in that person? Yeah, you know why he said that? Because John hung out with Jesus for three years. And after three years of hanging out with Jesus, he's like, you know what Jesus does? If he sees someone who's in need, he takes care of the need. And so that's what God's love is like. And so if we can go ahead and, and then, so it says the next thing, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. And that's why we're going to be out there because Every broken heart matters to Jesus, even if that, broken, if that broken heart at the base level is because I'm struggling to have food, I'm struggling to have employment, I'm struggling to be safe, I'm struggling just in the basic needs. Jesus says, I care about those things. So guys, that's, that's partly why we do what we do, right? And that's why we are totally committed to South Salt Lake. Even, and some people have asked the question, it's like, well, because I mentioned last week that the property that we're actually in negotiations in right now is the Fundome, right? Well, or the 49th Street Galleria, which is down here. And some people have said, okay, well, if, if we go there, are we not going to be involved in South Salt Lake anymore? No, absolutely. We have a great partnership with South Salt Lake. You know, the other reason why we want to be in South Salt Lake is because South Salt Lake, the, the studies show, is the poorest city in our whole valley. The test scores of the kids here are the, are the lowest. This is where the alien, right, the, the, the huge um, refugee population is right in our neighborhood. And God says, care for the poor, the orphan, the alien, and the widow. Care for these. You know, it, it was really fun. Uh, a couple weeks ago, my daughter Mariah, who's at uh, a middle school here up in, in Sugar House, um, was just doodling. Anybody remember doodling, right? Instead of actually listening. Um, so she's doodling all over her page. And what she was writing was just, she just kept writing K2, 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 K2. And all of a sudden a boy sitting next to her goes, K2. He goes, there's a church here called K2. And, and she, and she said, oh, you know, what was great. She definitely didn't tell him her dad was the pastor, right? It's like, <laughs> eh, right. So uh, Mariah, she was smart. She just came back and she just said, um, wow, wow, do you go? And he said, no. He goes, I live in South Salt Lake. And they come and they help us. Isn't that cool? Yeah. See, now that's the type of church we want to be. Where those who are saying, our life, my life is struggling. I've heard of that church because they're the ones who come and they help us. See, that's what this is actually all about. People matter. The homeless matter. Swaziland, clean water. Kids need education. They need funds. They matter. Honduras matters. Our own people here matter with our K2, K2 acts that we have funds that you guys can put into and that we put into with our general budget that takes care of our own people 
who are just struggling at different times, whether it's because they've lost work or they need food. You guys, Jesus cares about the broken heart. And so when he came, because the sovereign Lord, who's the king, anointed him, and he came into the world, and he said, I'm bringing my kingdom into the world. And my kingdom makes things right. And so one of the things you can know, if your heart is broken, or if you know somebody whose heart is heavy, if their spirit is crushed, and they can't thrive because of the basic necessities of life, Jesus says, I care. And if the love of the Father's in you, what will you do? You'll care too. So we're the church, man. We're the body of Christ. And that's why for us, as we move forward, we're going to be a church that always says they matter to God. But here's the other thing that's interesting about Jesus. He also was very concerned, not just with taking the basic necessities of life. He was concerned about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, too. He was concerned about making sure that people were loved and that they were in community. He was concerned, for some of you in this room, your concern is just, do you matter? You're wondering about your own self-esteem. You're trying to find a healthy spirit because you know this, right? It's really hard to love when your heart is all focused on yourself and trying to make yourself valuable. You need to know you're valuable, and Jesus cares about that. And the ultimate fulfillment, what in the heck am I here for? Trying to find my purpose. What did Jesus say? I came so you could have life to the full. I care about the basic needs all the way to the highest arche of needs. I want you to have life. So here's what Jesus said all the time. He went around, he took care of people's basic needs, but he also constantly proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. Jesus wasn't just trying to bring his kingdom into the world. He was also trying to get people into his kingdom. And that's you. What does that mean? How do I get into the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus just said, he goes, man, it's really hard. He said, one of the things he said is, you can't even enter the kingdom of God unless you receive it like a little child. You don't work, in other words, what? You don't work for this. You receive it as a sweet gift from a God in heaven who loves you. And then he also said this, yeah, you can't get into this kingdom of God unless you have a spiritual transformation that takes place in your heart. But why does God want to get you into his kingdom? Well, what does that mean? The kingdom of God, you guys, means that God is actually in my heart. At one point, Jesus said, don't you know the kingdom of God is in you? See, what he does is he takes these hearts that are bent towards ourselves and he actually releases them and frees them. God, we actually finally live in a relationship with God and get connected back to him. And I love this. I'm just, I'm just going to read this. This is Jeremiah chapter 3, starting with verse 19. This is an Old Testament deal too. And, and God was just talking. He's just talking to his people that he loves so much, and yet they were disconnected from him. And so he says this, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I looked forward to your calling me father, and I wanted you never to turn from me. But you have been unfaithful to me, you people of Israel. You've been like a faithless wife who leaves her husband. I, the Lord, have spoken. So God goes on, and then all of a sudden, the, the writer says, Voices are heard high on the windswept mountains, the weeping and pleading of Israel's people, for they've chosen crooked paths, and they've forgotten the Lord, their God. And, and, and you guys, what, God, what Jesus did when he came here, he goes, you guys, the reason your hearts are empty, 
the reason your relationships are broken, the reason, the reason we're spending so much money trying to either on antidepressants or we're spending so much money on counseling or we're, we're so broken in our hearts and we're weeping behind closed doors trying to take care of our brokenness. And God comes back and he says, my wayward children, says the Lord, come back to me and I will heal your wayward hearts. I'll heal them. What did the in the prophecy of Isaiah 61? He said, I would come and I'll bind up your broken heart. See, we're all trying to find fullness of life in stuff that isn't doing it. And everything we're trying to find fullness in life is, is broken in and of itself. And God's saying, can I heal your heart? Your wayward heart. And then I love the people. They said, yes, we're coming. The people reply, for you are the Lord our God, our worship of idols on the hills, and our religious orgies on the mountains are a delusion. Only in the Lord our God will Israel ever find salvation. You guys, so K2 the church exists for two reasons. Because, and, this, and it's been kind of fun as we've been in these uh, uh, conversations with different builders and architects and people of the different property. That's kind of been my job. I get a chance, right, to kind of share who we are. And I always tell everybody, it's like, listen, you guys need to know the essence of K2, why we are the way we are is for two reasons. The first reason is we are doing everything we can to help people who've never been to church, who have no understanding of who God is, or people who went to church and got totally burned or totally turned off, to, bring a, to provide a safe place for them. Can I just ask you a question? How many of you in this room got totally burned by church or somehow build up walls to God because of a church situation? Okay, is that not amazing? See, half of you in this room, and that was the case over in Redbox too, half of you in this room says, man, I was trying to get close to God and something stopped me. The church actually caused a wall to come up. So I've been telling everybody, you guys, that's why K2 the church exists and helping them to understand what kind of building we want. It's like, that's why we meet in a warehouse, right? Because we're trying to communicate to people that you can be exactly the way that you are and God will meet you here. Anybody glad you can just dress however you want when you're here? You know, like, it's fun. I, told, I was kind of dressed like this and I said, so I'll be honest with you, when I speak, I wear these clothes. And, and the guy who's actually the head of the school that we're looking to partner with, he raised his hand. He goes, uh, actually, I was there three weeks ago. You had shorts and flip-flops on. So, you know, and, and but what I, what I, but there's a reason because when Jesus came, who knew he was God by the way he dressed? Nobody. He was just wearing what everybody else wore. He was eating what everybody else ate. He came right into their world. and He said, listen, I'm going to live just like you and I'm going to meet you right where you're at. And I want you guys to know that that's important to us, that our, that when we move forward, that the building never becomes about the building right? Because this is what matters to God. And so I told them that's the other thing. I said, the other thing that's really important to us is that we are outside of our walls. We want to be a church that's doing what really matters. And so we're not going to have this big plush building and right in, in uh, actually in the red box, I said, or chairs that are comfortable. <laughs> I'm like, well, let me pull that one back. Anybody want a chair that's comfortable? Yeah. All right, all right, all right. So, but maybe, maybe we'll put a little pad on there for you, okay? No, but, but one of the things that's important to us as we move forward, right, is I told them, it's like, you guys need to come, you need to see where we are because we don't want to put tons of money into brick and mortar. We want to put money into what really matters. And I, I just want to tell you, one of the things that's so cool, Susie just recently was talking with a friend who's really committed to their faith, all right, 
But she came up to Susie, pulled her aside, and said, hey, there's somebody who we know who really is broken and whose life needs help. And um, I think your church would be the place for them. Because I don't think they'd actually be welcome in my church. Now, isn't that cool that that's the reputation of K2? That, yeah, if somebody's actually broken, which is, how many of you? Okay. If somebody actually has an issue, then you're the church that we want to send our family to. You're the church we want to send our friend to. You guys, that's Jesus. Your broken heart matters, and we're going to be committed to that. And you need to know that. So let me just share a couple uh, applications of what this means for us as a church. So we're moving forward, all right? And we're in this campaign, and we're going to ask you um, in a few weeks just to be able to say, okay, I'm in. I'm part of this church, and I want to reach every person that matters. Well, back in April, as we were looking for uh, properties, we actually received a very significant financial gift, okay? And this gift came in, and if you, were, if you know that you're going to go do a building, then you take that gift and you deposit it in the bank, right? And you sit it there and you go, okay, that's there so that we can use that for our, our building when it comes. But what was interesting is this idea came up. We have three um, different leadership teams. So for those of you who might not know, we have a spiritual advisory board. If you're in church, it's kind of like an elder board, people who help us with the direction and the spiritual health of the church. We have a business operations board who oversees all the finances, facilities, all that kind of stuff. And we have a management team, five of us on staff. And what we actually thought of is what if we actually took this first gift that came to us and we put it into what we really care about, what matters most, instead of into the building. So what does that mean? Well, what we did is we went ahead and we decided, we prayed, and it was crazy because some people on the boards were going, okay, wait, 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 wait. No, man, we need the money, right? We need this cash to be able to get this building done. One guy said, he goes, this is so crazy, I like it, you know? And, and so what we did is we decided we're going to take this first gift and instead of depositing it into the bank, we're going to deposit it into God's kingdom into this world. And so you need to know this. 10%, the first 10%, everything that comes into your gift to this campaign, to Everyone Matters, will actually go outside of these walls and into Swaziland, Honduras, the homeless, South Salt Lake, and even if some of you come up with some really cool ideas. We want to actually be able to support the ministry that's going on. And here's the other reason we did that, is uh, some of you have been in building campaigns at churches before, right? Okay, over in the other building, there was this, right? And, and here, here's what, it, what happens is, many times there's a concern because people think this church is going to be all about a stupid building now. And so we just thought, well, how can we make sure that that's not going to be us? Can I be honest with you? I think this is one of the reasons that Jesus gave us the tithe, gave you the tithe, right? Is he wanted to help every single one of us not get caught up in using everything for ourselves. So we said, listen, this is going to be so healthy for you. Take 10% off the top first and give it back to me. And it'll keep your heart from being caught up in just yourself. And so we decided to do the same thing with this campaign to make sure that we're not just about that building. We're taking the first stuff that comes in and we're going to take it and we're pushing it right back out. So you guys, one of the things that's cool with that is you've been hearing about this homeless ministry that we've been doing, the street crew that's actually developed downtown. 
That is what we did. We took the first fruits that came in and we said, let's start using it right now. And we have ramped up that whole street crew ministry. And so a couple of weeks ago when we had our baptism here, five people from the street crew ministry got baptized right here from that thing. Yeah, it's awesome. So you just need to know that that's part of what we're committed to and how this campaign is going to roll out and how we're going to use our money. But here's the other thing we know, you guys, is when Jesus was actually meeting people's physical needs, when he was meeting their relational needs, and when he was meeting their deepest need to be reconnected back to God and have their soul at rest and satisfied. You know what happened? Everybody started following Jesus. Everybody's like, this works. This is what's right. This is what my heart's been longing for. And so Jesus had crowds of people because they knew if I hang out with this guy, I'm hearing the good news. I'm, I'm getting my mind that was so twisted. I thought God was demanding things from me instead of God loved me. I had no idea how his, how his kingdom actually worked. And people who were struggling in their relationships and things were breaking, they kept hearing Jesus teach over and over again about this is how you love. This is what love is. And if you'll do these things, your relationships will last. People were getting all of their brokenness met in Christ. And when that happens, people go to the one who fixes the broken thing. How many of you have a good mechanic? Yeah, like four of you. I know. Isn't that crazy? Okay, this is, this is a big one. I'm telling you what, man. I have one. If you find one, what do you do? Yeah, you keep going back because you trust him. It's like, man, this was broken. It was so frustrating. I went to you. You fixed it. And when you got it fixed... You keep going back. You know what the other thing you do? You know why I'm going to who I'm going to? Because Eric Winter and Mike Seifert told me about their good mechanic. Right? You want to tell everybody else, this is a guy you can trust. And so I tell you what, that's what we're doing, man. The church, we have found Jesus, and he met our brokenness. He meets us in the things that don't work. And I do know this. When that happens, more and more people are going to want to say, I want what you have. And the other reason we know we got to get out of this building is Jesus is building his church. He loves everyone in this valley and their brokenness matters. And we can't wait to be a part of him reaching everybody. Are you in? Yeah. All right, man. Let's go. That's very cool. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for coming in Christ, for anointing Jesus with power so that when he came, he took what was broken and he bound it up. He took the spirit that was in despair and covered them with a garment of praise. He took people sitting in ashes and put instead a crown of beauty on their head. Jesus, we thank you that when you came into the world, you brought your kingdom, bringing what's right into what's broken. And we just pray that you continue to make us a church that stays connected to you, that cares about what you care about, that lives, that because we've so been loved by you, we will give our life as well to others. And God, I want to ask your blessing on us. Please, please make us a people that look like you. Make us a people that when we see those who are in need, the love of the Father is in us and we actually love with action and not just words. Make us a church, God, that other people want to send people to who are broken. Make us a church that other people know about, even if they don't come here because they've been ministered to. Make us a church that cares about the things that you care about. And I ask for it in Jesus' name.
Amen.